Likutei Sichais Chelek Tesvav Parshas Lech Lecha Sichagimel. The Free Yidike Rebbe shared in the name of his father, the Rebbe Rashab, that the portion of Breshis is a joyous Torah portion. God creates the world and all of creation. The end of the portion isn't though all that pleasant. And yet, it's a generally joyous portion. The portion of Noyach, which speaks of the flood, is a depressing week until the end when we read of the birth of Avraham, and it's a joyous conclusion to the week. But the truly happy week is the Torah portion of Lech Lecha, when we live with Avraham, our forefather, every day of the week. When the Rebbe says, that the portion of Lech Lecha is the truly and authentically happy week, it becomes obvious that even the conclusion of the portion of Nayach, when we read of the birth of Avraham, isn't quite real happiness, not like the week of Lech Lecha. This would be because all content in a single parsha is connected, and therefore, if a section contains something that's not joyous, its impact is felt even on the joyous end of the portion. So too regarding the portion of Bracious. It's generally a joyous portion, and yet, because its conclusion is not that pleasant, authentic joy is missing in this portion in general. So let's try to understand this. If Bracious is generally a joyous portion, and Noyach a generally dispirited, Weak? Shouldn't the order and division of the portions have been different? The end of Bracious, which isn't happy, should have been the beginning of Noyach, and the happy end of Noyach should have been the beginning of Lachlacha. We can generally understand this in the following way. It's known that beginning with the era of Avraham, the portion of Lachlacha, when we live each day with him, as we said, the epoch of Shnei Alafim Torah, the two millennium of Torah, and the beginning of our preparation for the giving of the Torah began. And since Matan Torah, the giving of the Torah, achieved the bonding of higher and lower realms, it's apparent that the advantage of the portion of Lech Lecha, that's all about Avraham, over the two previous portions is that its content is about this bond of higher and lower realms. And likely why this is the third portion, representing that middle column that bonds the upper and lower worlds. In other words, the portion of Bracious, the first portion, is about creation, created by God, of a higher reality. The content of the portion of Noyach the second portion is about purification of lower realms. Both, though Noyach's service of God as a righteous man, and more specifically, through the flood and the portion of Lech Lecha, the third portion is the bond between the two, the higher and the lower. Now we understand why Noyach begins with these are the generations, Noyach, Noyach was righteous, represents the service of Noyach, the introduction to Noyach, his birth, etc., 
at the end of Bereshis isn't about his work on this earth. This is all still within the realm of divine action and as such belongs in the portion of Bereshis. The same can be said of details regarding Avraham, which are in the portion of Noyach, and not in the third portion of Lachlacha. The preparation for the bond of higher and lower realms begins with Avraham's fulfillment of God's instruction of Lechlecha to leave Haran for the land of Israel. But his birth and the events until Lechlecha are really just the continuum of and the conclusion of the work of elevating the lower world, the service that begins with Noyach's righteousness at the beginning of the portion of Noyach. Let's better understand the connection of Lech Lecha and the giving of the Torah and the service of Avraham as the first of the forefathers who prepared for the giving of the Torah and the fusion of higher and lower realms that begins only after the introduction, the instruction, excuse me, and fulfillment of Lech Lecha. The Medrash connects the idea of Vayoyma Hashem el Avrom Lech Lecha, God said to Avraham, go for yourself, to Avraham's begging for God's mercy, even for the sinners of stone, unlike Noyach, who did not ask for mercy for the people of his generation. So here's a question on that Medrash. Avraham asked for mercy for the people of Stoim only in the merit of the possible righteous who lived there. In fact, the Zayar teaches that when Avraham heard that there weren't even ten righteous people in whose merit he was asking for Zdaim to be potentially saved, he didn't press for God's mercy any further, unlike Moshe, who begged for God to forgive those who formed the golden calf. So what's so great about Avraham's asking for mercy for the people of Sodom that it's connected to the general theme of Lech Lecha as an introduction to Matan Torah. Here's the way we can understand it. Since the bond between higher and lower realms was only really fully achieved at Matan Torah, and Avraham, our forefathers, divine service, was only the preparation for this, the request for mercy for the people of Stoim too was only in the merit of the righteous. In other words, this means that the three ways in which Noyach, Avraham, and Moshe Rabbeinu conducted themselves correspond with the three periods mentioned before the preparation for Matan Teira, the preparation for Matan Teira, and Matan Teira itself. And the period prior preparing for Matan Teira, when upper and lower realms had no connection between them, corresponds respectively with Noyach not pleading or interceding for the generation of the flood. In the second period of beginning the preparation for the bond of higher and lower realms, 
There is the connection to Avraham praying in the merit of the righteous for the people of Steim. In the third period, at Matan when higher and lower realms joined, Moshe was able to stand up for those who actually built the calf and not, not just ask for them to be forgiven in the merit of the righteous of the generation. The particular difference between these three stages, their connection to the three different ways in which Noyach Avraham and Moshe Rabbeinu, and the difference between the period of the portion of Noyach, when the purification of this lower world began, and the time of the portion of Bracious, when the world's energy came only from higher world realms, though there were righteous in this world who were engaged in their divine service, can be better understood via the parable of the intellectual influence a teacher offers to a student and the three ways he does so. One manner of influence is the sharing on the part of the teacher of only the material with no elucidation as to how the student can use his own intellect to grasp the information. The second possibility is when the teacher gives the student a route to follow that will empower the student's thinking and ability to study and understand something on his own. Clearly, both of these ways have something good about them that the other does not. The second allows the student's own intellectual capacity to develop so that he can understand a teaching on his own. But in the first possibility, what the teacher is offering is of himself and loftier, because what a student understands with his own discernment after his teacher has taught him how to understand is only a small fraction of what his teacher is giving to him. The third possibility in this parable, which in fact includes the merits of the first and second, is when the influence of the teacher, the Rav, impacts the student so much that the student's abilities become like his teacher's abilities. And now the student can develop his thinking in such a way that his intellectual influence can match that of his teacher. We can posit that these three periods of time, Bracious, Noyach, and Lech Lecha, are comparable to these three roots of influence from teacher to student. The labor of the righteous in this world in the ten generations from Adam to Noyach was infused mainly with the influence of higher realms and wasn't particularly or inherently associated with their own personal abilities or spiritual capacities. Like in the first example of educating a student, though Chanoich was a righteous person in a generation of destructive people and was for a time not influenced by them, in fact, had he lived among them for a while longer, he would not have continued to withstand the evil ways of his generation. And therefore, Rashi tells us, God plucked him away early. In other words, his righteousness 
was dependent on the influence he was receiving from above. And had the world descended into a greater darkness, completely obscuring God's light, Hanoich would not have held out. Again, in the first instance, the student grasps what his Rav teaches and works hard even to grasp the teacher's thoughts. But he cannot take this and reveal something new in this idea on his own. The service of the righteous in the next ten generations, from Noyach to Avraham, was a righteousness that manifested on the part of the individual by his own efforts and could influence the world around him. Noyach himself was indeed righteous, but he also sought to reproach his generation and told them to repent. Certainly after the flood, when Noyach brought sacrifices to God and affected God's connection to the world and God's, God's covenant to never again bring destruction, showing the rainbow as a sign of the earth's purification, we see that yet specifically because that divine service was connected to or energized by the lower realm, it is incomparable to the upper divine. It was a limited service. And indeed, Rashi teaches us regarding Nayakh that he was mekatne ha'emuna. He was of little faith, not entering the ark until the waters absolutely forced him to take action and enter. His capacity to grasp the divine will was limited to human intellect. And he couldn't transcend that limitation into deep faith. This would be like the second possible scenario in the parable of the master and the student. The student has been taught to discern, but his capacity is limited and incomparable to the intellect of the teacher. Then there is the service of Avraham Avinu, which has both of these options. The beginning and the foundation of Avraham's divine service was intellectual, he observed the world, and yet he didn't question God's actions, and God declared Avraham whole of heart before him. Avraham accepted God with simplicity and with integrity, like a humble servant. This was also the way Avraham served God and spread divine consciousness in the world. When Avraham taught divine consciousness, these were really ideas that were beyond the comprehensive faculties of man. And yet, he found ways to explain these ideas so that even the simplest of people could grasp. And this is like the third possibility, in the influence of a teacher to a student, when the abilities of the student become like the abilities of the teacher. And yet, even this third way, when the abilities of the student become like the abilities of the teacher, is only a parable that speaks to the preparation for and not of the actual bonding of upper or higher and lower realms, which took place only at Sinai. The abilities of the teacher in our parable, manifesting in the student's abilities, occurs only when the student has the intellectual capacity and is indeed a vessel for the teacher's intellectual effluence. 
So that even prior to this exchange of teacher to student, this intellectual flow, the student wasn't quite that completely removed from the teacher's intellect. The student wasn't, so to speak, a real product of tachtonim of the lower realm. Even more than that, because the capabilities of the student eventually become like the capabilities of the rav, the teacher, through the refinement of the student's process, it turns out that in addition to the fact that, as we just said, the student isn't really so vastly removed from the teacher intellectually, the actual connection of teacher and student is only via the student's newly honed intellect from his teacher's influence. But there's no connection made with the level of intellect that was the student's intellectual status prior to the teaching, prior to the influence. This is different to the connection of Elyonim, upper realms, and Tachtainim, lower realms, that was achieved at Matantaira. Before Matantaira, the lower realms had no connection to the upper, and in fact, there was a spiritual decree that cut off any connection between them. This connection could then be made only through God's agency with the divine strength of the one who can do everything, who is nimna hanimnois, for whom impossibilities are not impossible, and for whom opposites coexist as one. Therefore, this connection of higher and lower realms at Matantaira is to the lower realm as it actually is in its state of lowliness. These connections are exemplified in our time as well in our divine service. The Adam Noyach period, exemplifying the divine service inspired by higher realms, is of service of one's soul, but the body is not engaged. How can this be, since the fulfillment of Torah mitzvahs must engage the body? What this means is that this person's intention isn't around the body. The body is seen to be only a medium for the work of the soul, and the work is spiritual. It's not about impacting one's environs. A second manner of contemporary divine service exemplified in the work with the lower realms in the generations from Noyach to Avraham is the work one does with one's environment as well so that the world can serve as a dwelling for God. But one isn't that into it, not to the point of self-sacrifice. One puts, puts in only as much effort as will make one's existence purposeful. For example, someone does put in the effort as per his requirement to help another Jew and brings him closer to practical Judaism, but the other person's spiritual status isn't really of true concern. This was like Noyach, who chastised the people throughout the 120 years on a daily basis of building the ark. But he did so mainly to fulfill what God required of him, 
And so when it didn't help, and they didn't do tshuva, he didn't lay his life on the line and defend them and ask for God's mercy. The third manner of service exemplified in the period of time of preparation for Matan Torah, where the connection of higher and lower realms is already alluded to, is when one, with great devotion, puts in the effort to fulfill the intention of making this world a dwelling for God. And because of the strong feelings of Avas Yisrael that he has, works ardently to bring a Jew closer to God, to Torah and mitzvahs. And yet, nevertheless, the goal here is only to raise the other up. But it's not yet about that person's concern or about a person's concern for or devotion to the lowliness of another Jew. As well, it's only when a person thinks that somebody else will be receptive to his offering of Judaism, otherwise he doesn't try. And this is what, like what we mentioned earlier, where in the third example of the teacher and the student, whose connection happens when the student's intellectual capacity becomes refined to become like his teachers, and when this refinement only happens because the student had this capacity even before. Like Avraham Avinu, who in his service devoted himself with self-sacrifice to his generation so that they recognize and call out the truth of one supernal God, and in fact placed himself in danger praying for the people of Steim, his prayer again was only that they be saved in the merit of the righteous there, the righteous people would affect the purification of their environment. And when Avraham understood that there were no righteous in Steim, he stopped asking for mercy. There is a fourth way, and that is when one loves another Jew, Kamaycha. It's like a self-love that takes nothing into consideration, makes no calculations. The love is not about somebody else's virtues or qualities, it's only because of this essential love that one has for another. And this is like the connecting of upper and lower worlds or higher and lower worlds that manifested at Matantera, the higher realm merging with the lower realm in its lowly state. This represents the actions of Moshe Rabbeinu, who brought us to the advent of Matan Torah. And Torah is indeed called on his name, who stood up even on behalf of those who formed the golden calf, saying to God, if you can't forgive these people, erase me from your Torah, and wouldn't move from his place until God said, I forgive as you have requested. Taking all this into consideration, we can also understand how Avram Avinu's preparation for the merging of heaven and earth that occurred at Matan Torah began only after Avraham was instructed and followed the instruction of Lech Lecha. When a, Jew, when a Jew's work to make the world a dwelling for God is slanted in the direction of his own existence and with the intention to fulfill his purpose in this world, 
His effect and impact on the world falls short. It's like someone chastising another Jew just to fulfill the directive to do so. Were he to do so even a hundred times, he would never have the impact of doing so with the benefit of a fellow Jew in mind. And in order to affect the world, even as Avraham Avinu did prior to Matan Torah, and as a preparation to bring us to that point, one must leave, leave one's comfort zone, his own needs, wants, habits, and calculations, even his spiritual calculations. Accordingly, we can also explain that while the portion of Reishis is generally a happy portion, as is the end of the portion of Noyach, the truly joyous week, as the previous Rebbe teaches in the name of the Rebbe Rashab, is specifically the portion of Lech Lecha. Joy breaks all barriers, and therefore the portion of Breshis is not a complete joyous portion, because the joy emanates from God-creating worlds and creatures. True, though creation of the world from Ayin, nothing, to Yesh, to something, brings the power of Ayin into Yesh, breaching the barriers between them, yet the world in the portion of Bracious is in a state where its existence is all because of the elevated realm infusing it, and not because the lower realm could sustain it. It just wasn't yet in a state of breaching Ayin and Yesh barriers. So it's not a fully happy portion. It's the same for the end of the portion of Noyach, the birth of Avraham Avinu, the first to make preparations to nullify the decree between higher and lower worlds, breaching those barriers, but it was only a, prepar- a pre-preparation for this, and the preparation only began after Lech Lecha. And so again, not a completely joyous portion. It is particularly the portion of Lech Lecha, when the preparation for joining higher and lower worlds actually begins, when we have the truly joyous week.